Hello, and welcome back to the Book Marketing Tips and Author Success Podcast. This is Penny Santaberry with my awesome co-host, Amy Cornell. And if you hear some noise in the background uh, on this podcast, Amy's having some work done on her kitchen. Uh, I guess they're demolishing it because you burned the roast or something. (laughs) That would be a way better story than just saying I was tired of my countertops. But... That is also a good reason. We are going to, we will do our level best to get all of that uh, noise and whatnot edited out. But uh, just in case, if you hear a, if you hear a banging, Amy's not trying to break out of or into somewhere. Right. Just just send good vibes. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So today we thought that we would talk about, um, and this isn't, we're talking about, sorry, I'm I'm like all over the place. I'm like, woohoo. Um, Selling nonfiction in the age of free information. And Amy and I followed this um, Instagrammer who has these great recipes that were, it's amazing I'm not 300 pounds, that we're always sending back and forth to one another. And it got us to kind of thinking about how there is so much free information out there that we really thought it was a good idea to focus a podcast, especially for you nonfiction authors trying to kind of stand out from stand out from the crowd. And I want to just mention that in case you weren't aware, listeners, the book to bestseller print edition is now up on Amazon. Very excited about that. And um, in particular, this show is near and dear to my heart because I write nonfiction. And so it's always, it's kind of always an issue with me as you, Amy, as you know. Yeah. I mean, cause AME has a longstanding blog, obviously, which is free content. Now we're doing this podcast, which is more free content. Right. So you are literally a prime example of someone who's faced with the challenge of convincing people to still buy your book when you're producing a lot of free information out there. And you also have competitors that are, that have blogs that have podcasts. So things like that. And we see this a lot with nonfiction authors and they kind of they kind of leave this out when they're planning and executing their book release and their promotion. The fact that they're not just competing with other books, but they're competing with Google. Like right. that's not a scary mic drop moment, right? <laughs> I know, I know. It. But like all the free information that we have available out there, um, it's it's not. There are really great creative ways to deal with this, and that's why we wanted to do this show. But it absolutely has to be taken into consideration if you are writing and releasing nonfiction. Yeah, that's apps that that is a very good point. That's absolutely true, and that's very well said. And I think that where where we want to start is um, how let's start with at the beginning, right? How your nonfiction um, can stand out in this really loud and distracting market. And Amy, your comment about how your book has to compete with Google. I mean, if that doesn't, I hope nobody's turned off their podcast and thought these girls are just depressing. I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> um, but the first piece of it is, and, and I will tell you that all of the tips that we're talking about, this is all stuff that I do as well. Um, it's critical to figure out how you what your unique approach, what the unique approach to your topic is, right? So if you're saying the same thing that everybody else out there is saying, and I will tell you that when I get on the phone with a nonfiction author who wants to work with us, the first thing that I ask them, the very first thing that I ask them is, how is this book different from the 9,000 other books that are out there? And I really listen to their answer. And sometimes they'll say to me, well, that's for you to, to, to tell me. It's like, no, no, 
<laughs> no, a little, little late for that. It's <laughs> a little late for that. So figuring out what your key selling points are, um, and it goes beyond just saying, you know, well, my my way works works better. And I'm sure that it does, but that's not really convincing enough if you're a potential buyer, because that's kind of everybody's crutch, right? Everybody says that their way is the that their way is the better way. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I was looking at this book on organizing and I love, I love books on organizing. I know that sounds really weird, but I love books on organizing. And one of the things that I've noticed is that the books that I, like, I have not bought a book on organization, organizing, because, you know, at the first of the year, and I realize we're already in February as we're talking about this, but around the first year, like I'm always organizing my office and doing all this stuff. It's really hard to find somebody. And this is a space that if you're listening to this and you've written a book on organ organization, you know, organizing office space, homes, whatever, clearing clutter, whatever that is, how you can be unique more than just saying, buy some bins and put labels on them, right? Um, So creating your unique list of selling points, um, which you need to include on your Amazon description, because the first place that I go to when I'm looking for a book on how to organize your office, kitchen, whatever, is I'm going to Amazon and I'm looking at what the author is saying in their book description. So your bullet points, bullets draw attention and should be extremely compelling. Um, And, you know, think about, you know, what if the bullets were all potential buyers, you know, what if we're all the, all the bullets were all the potential buyers that got to read your book? Um, Meaning that I'm not, I'm not really articulating this correctly, but every bullet point that you have in your book description has to appeal to your potential. Like every bullet point should be, oh yeah, that's me, or oh yeah, I need that, or oh, that makes total sense, or oh, I hadn't thought about that before. Whatever it is, right? Whether it's dieting or or food or, you know, health or something like that, it all has to speak to that. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I don't really know what's going on. What I suggest that you do is sit down in front of a computer and pull up a whole bunch of book pages books similar to yours and see what they're doing in their bullet points and start to learn maybe how you could do better or maybe what is can, could be added to your book description. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. Definitely check out what other people are doing um, because there's great inspiration in that. And I, I like the bullet point as well, Penny, because I think it makes sense that a lot of what we say seems like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But I love that idea of just focus on the bullet points. What if you, what if your job wasn't to write a full, amazing book description right now? What if you just had to bullet the best things about your book? Like start mm-hmm. with something a little smaller scale and really hit it out of the park with those because that's really, I always look at the bullet points too, you know, and that kind of leads into our next tip. And it's about not forgetting your buyer, you know, because yes, you have to sell your book's content. But people don't, if you really think about it, people don't buy a book necessarily because of the content, like not really, at least they're not going like, oh, you know, like what are they, they're buying a book because of what they hope it will do for them, right? Like they want a specific end result. They want progress. They want to learn how to do something. You know what I mean? There's a need in there somewhere. So your unique selling points are absolutely critical. 
but so is convincing people that you'll make their lives better in some way. Yeah. And that really, there is a fine line between that, between saying, this is why I think my book is awesome, but also putting in that very human element of, and why it will work for you, you know, make them feel special, make them feel important, make them feel like you were saying with the bullets, Penny, like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or yes, that is exactly the problem I've been having. You know what I mean? You want them to feel like you're speaking to them directly. And really that's something that a lot of free online content doesn't get a chance to do because it's just static content that shows up in a search result. Right. So it's a lot more two-dimensional. So you, with your book and your book description, you really have a unique opportunity to, to make it more personal for whoever lands on your book page, potentially, you know, that's a potential sale for you. Right. And I think that's a, that's a really good point too, about the static content, about the, the blogs that are out there and whatnot. Um, do you want to take tip number three? Cause I'd really, I, I, I'd really love to tackle number four. If it's oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. You're so on a roll anyway. So keep going. I know, right? You can tell I feel very, uh, we always, we always say we that. We feel like, very strongly about this. Yeah. I know. And again, that should be, we should put that on a t-shirt or a mug by now, because anybody that's been listening for a while is like, do you guys not feel strongly about anything at this point? Because... <laughs> you know, we have so many opinions about everything. <laughs> so crazy. But it is true. But I, I will say, you know, we've talked about it before. A lot of these ideas come from the fact that like, I chat with authors before we work with them, try to feel out where they're, where they're at, what they need help with. So that's where a lot of this inspiration comes from. But so tip number three, you have to have your unique selling points and your emotional appeal. And you should also hit people over the head with the Google and the free info reference. And essentially what we mean is play that game beat them to it. You know, there's no such thing as making it too easy for someone to make a decision about what they're going to buy. And so we often see authors miss key sales opportunities in their book description because the value of the book seems so incredibly obvious to them. But don't don't assume that it seems obvious to your potential buyer. So, and we had an author, Penny, that did this and it, it was, he actually he 100%, you could tell he had a light bulb moment when we brought this to his attention and he actually ended up working it into his book description and it was, he handled it so well, but essentially he tackled that. He's, he gave them a reason why his book is a, will serve them better than simply trying to Google the answer themselves. And he did have a more technical topic and that's pretty much what he clung to. The fact that you don't want to miss something key or something really important in this process that a lot of free information doesn't get into, but I've done it in my book. I've taken you down to the nitty gritty. And that was just such a brilliant way to position him against free information on Google. So if you're listening and you don't have a strong argument about this at the ready, then that's a great, that's something you need to workshop right now and figure out what your book can do for them better than what typically would show up in a Google search. And you're already going to be miles ahead of where you are right now by, by working that into your book description. Right. That's a very good, that's a really, that is a very good point. And actually that's one that I might, that I might steal because let's face it, book marketing, there's a lot of information out there on book marketing. Um, and, you know, but much of it is, much of it's outdated and, and um, confusing as any author listening probably knows. Right. And a little superficial, like you've said before, Penny, it's like, oh yeah, so many of these people make 
uh, Amazon ads, for example, seem easy breezy and no problem. And you could just get everything set up and, you know, and just in 30 minutes or whatever and have great Amazon ads when we know that's absolutely not how that works, but, <laughs> yeah. but there's so much information out there that leads authors to believe that it's really that simple. And then once they realize it's not that free information doesn't take them any farther and then they're just stuck. You know, and that's where, you know, books like yours that actually dig into the the nitty gritty of of what you have to consider and do make such a big difference. Well, and can we can we can we stop? And I know now I'm going to get I'm going to get a tiny little bit on my soapbox because Love when, it. You, when you <laughs> when you talk about free information. So and when we talk about the Amazon ads, free information, whether it's Amazon ads or or Amazon optimization or whatever it is, sometimes there I see a lot of. Uh, like free webinars, free webinar, learn how to do Amazon ads, learn how to do this, learn how to do that. And the free webinar is, you know, is really a lead funnel to get people to buy not just the book, but thousands of dollars worth of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a really big problem with that in particular, only because it's confusing enough to be an author out there and you feel like you're just in this jungle um, of information. And Amazon ads can absolutely be taught for sure. But if anybody is trying to say that, oh, this is just an easy breezy kind of a thing, it's probably, the, the webinar is probably a loss leader to get you to buy some other stuff. And one of the things that I know from the industry, and I am going to come back to why this matters on this call, this isn't just about Penny finding a place to vent her frustrations. But one of the things that I know is that it's getting a really bad rap in the industry. So a lot of people are like, oh, these webinars where all they're doing is they're just selling us. Like you get five minutes of information, but you sit, have to sit through 60 minutes of this webinar in order to get it. Um, it's getting a really bad, a bad rap. And I would recommend regardless of the industry that you're in giving away free information, which is kind of the next bullet point And part of the reason why I wanted to take it, um, is a great way to bring people to your website. In fact, I had a conversation yesterday with an author and she's kind of in a similar thing. She has a book on customer service, great book, but she now has to walk this fine line between giving away information for free and still selling her book, right? And it is a fine line. And one of the things that that I think breeds, um, you know, doesn't necessarily, isn't very good for customer service, just to use that as an example, is the fact if you if you bring people into your funnel using like this lost leader of oh, I'm going to give you all this free information how to fix your customer service or how to sell books or whatever it is, and then they realize at the end of it that you're trying to sell them a five thousand dollar program or something like that. That is not that that will not that will not that will not help you with bring you more readers and help right. spread the word about your stuff. But it is absolutely a fine line between what you put out there for free. And what you include in your books, and I and I will say that I've gotten more careful about that as I continue as I continue to publish books, and also I've gotten more careful about it because you know Google just again you're competing with Google. Google sees everything. Google spiders everything, and you really have to be thoughtful. Um, having a clear plan of what you want to give away for free in your platform and what you want to include in your books. 
I will say that if you're going to give away stuff for free, so like on your blog, or maybe it's a free report or it's something like that, make sure that there is some value attached to it. So the example of the 60 minute webinar to get five minutes of information won't necessarily um, leave your potential reader with a good feeling about who you are and buying your buying your book. And for many of you nonfiction authors, your books probably lead to something else, maybe consulting or something like that. Um, figure out figure out what your boundaries are. Give them something. So our blog, we always try to give people really helpful information. But if you want, you know, basically if, and obviously I'm hungry when we're recording these podcasts, so I'm just going to use this analogy. The, pod, the, the blog is a great substantial appetizer, but the book is the meal. So if you're really ready to dig in and do the work, that's kind of how I've separated it. But honestly, I mean, it's taken me a long time to figure out what that fine line is um, in terms of what information goes in the book and what we put on the blog to keep the blog helpful and informative for authors. Right. And I think the balance, you know, like you said, is really important because there is a part of this where, and this leads into the next one also, um, where you want to, you can't just have a book and assume it's going to do all the work for you. So you need to remind people in other ways that you have smart ideas. You are a thought leader in this area. You have knowledge to share uh, that, that will be helpful to them, you know? So it's also important to, to recognize timely opportunities to kind of slightly pitch your book and who you are. And when I say slightly, this is different than the, wow, so many, I've, I've lost count now how many media episodes we've done already. So check those out. If, if the idea of pitching you, if that perked your ears up, we've got lots of episodes on media. Oh yeah, we do. We have lots of those. But there are other opportunities where you're kind of pitching your book, but not in such an obvious way. And social media is undeniably effective in establishing your thought leader status and building a following and making people realize you have something to say that's of value. So while your blog or podcast lets you really dig into topics that are in your wheelhouse, social media gives you a platform to speak to things that are happening right now in a really timely way. Yes. So in media, in pop culture, uh, lifestyle, whatever area of nonfiction you write in, or even in your specialized industries, using social media to your benefit is also another way to bring people into your funnel, you know, like Penny said. And it's a great way to remind people you have a book. It's a great way to remind people that you have something to say. So also incorporate that into this is how you can stay competitive during the age of free information is by, you know, embracing what is happening in the free space. And social media is a free space for a lot of info. So chime in there, you know, elbow your way in, make space for yourself, get your name out there um, and just add value to current conversations and use that, you know, to remind people that like, whoa, this person really has some smart things to say, or, oh, I like how they approach this or whatever that is and pull them in further into your brand so they can see like, oh, they have a book on this. Oh, their website's real. Oh, their blog is X. I can't believe they have a podcast. I should subscribe all those things. So as much as some people don't love being on social media, it's really, especially for nonfiction, it can be a really effective way to start the conversation with people that otherwise wouldn't know you have a book out or a website or that you exist at all. Hate to put it that way, but it's true. So use that to your advantage as well. Yeah, I think that is, that's absolutely a really good, that's a really good point. And 
what's interesting is that if you start to, so your social media is your conversation with your reader, but it is also an opportunity for them, as you said, discovery, right? Um, discovering a new author and saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea or what they're saying is really smart. And I realize that this sounds probably like a lot of work, but I promise you, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that once you get on the right track, so once you kind of understand, you know, what pieces that you're going to be that, you know, that you're going to share and, and how you're going to show up in your, you know, social media, social media with smart responses and sharing things, it does become a lot easier. And it is a hard, you know, I mean, I know that lots of newspapers, as an example, have gone to paywalls, right? So you have to subscribe, you have to give your information, or you have to pay a monthly fee or whatever. Um, And it's a hard thing to do when, as you said, Amy, there is so much free information out there. So you do have to walk a fine line between getting your book notice. And the other thing that I want to leave, and this isn't really a tip that we put on there, but all of this is really about, (laughs) there's your bonus tip. I love it. All of this is really about becoming an expert. And when I say that this becomes easier as you are, as you age in this process, right? As your book, you know, comes out and maybe you publish a second book. The reason that this becomes easier is because you start to realize that becoming an expert doesn't necessarily mean that you have to know all the things, right? But you stay, um, you, you know, you stay current on your industry. You uh, share your insights on changes in the industry or new statistics or whatever is coming out, you become, um, you become the expert and people will, readers will follow that because there is a lot of information out there that you can, you know, you can Google and you can find, and it's a lot of just confusing me personally. And Amy, I know you feel the same way. I would rather follow one or two experts in an area that I'm interested in than trying to figure out, of all of the pages that I'm finding on Google, what information is really right for me or what is really right for me. Absolutely. I totally agree. Once I've, once I've decided, okay, this person has smart things to say, I would much rather go on that journey with them not to, to, you know, woo woo about it, but I would much rather them be my compass versus Google and the 8 million different versions I could potentially get there. So really, like you said, it's about that getting that initial hook in that initial, once that light bulb moment goes off for that potential reader, buyer, follower, you know, client, whatever you want to call your market, that's a beautiful thing. And it's amazing what can come of that after you, after they have that initial, like, whoa, this person knows what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's really what that is at the end of the day, really where you want to get to. It takes a little bit of time. Absolutely. Um, It may not take as much time as you think, and it will greatly improve your book selling journey. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Once again, I want to remind you before you, before you click off, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We love reviews. Um, I, oh, I ask about it. I know on every show, I always check whenever we're recording shows like, Ooh, how many reviews do we have now? But we love reviews. We love your feedback. We'd love your show ideas. Thank you so much for listening. This is Penny Sansevieri and Amy Cornell, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.